listening to the Retro Sermons Podcast. Find out more at NorthColumbusChristians.com slash Retro Sermons. As we stand before you once again with the wonderful words of life. I want to talk to you for a while tonight upon the subject announced on the chart, namely those whom God calls fools. I want to emphasize, as I have on the chart, it is those whom God calls fools. Because we are warned not to call a man a fool. Over in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22, Whosoever shall say thy fool shall be in danger of the fires of hell. We are to call no man rabbi, no man father, and no man master. Matthew chapter 23. And we are to call no man a fool. Because we don't know what is in the hearts of people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, What knoweth? The things of a man save the spirit of man that's in him. And so God says don't do that. Now God can call people fools because God knows our hearts. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 8 we're told God which knoweth the hearts. In First John chapter 3 and verse 20, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knoweth all things. First Samuel chapter 16, 7, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the hearts. Then we are told in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23, I am he that searcheth the reins of the hearts. And so Almighty God knows our hearts, thus he knows who fools are, and he can call us fools. Thus tonight we're going to turn to the word of God and let God speak to us and tell us who fools are. I trust in the language of the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, that you will examine yourself. Am I a fool in the sight of God? Are you a fool in the sight of Almighty God? We're going to turn and see whom God describes as fools, and then we're going to examine our own hearts and see if we're fools in God's eyes. Well, first of all, we invite your attention to a statement found over in Luke chapter 12 and verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool. Now here God calls a man a fool. Now there are many reasons as to why God called this man a fool. I call attention to four reasons as to why God said unto him, Thou fool. Let's turn now to Luke chapter 12, if you have a New Testament, and you can read along with me. Beginning in verse 16, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he fought within himself, see. Now here's the first reason that God says this man was a fool. He fought within himself. He left God out of his plans. He left God out of his life. Anytime a person leaves God out of his life, out of his plans, he's a fool in God's sight. Well, we're told in Psalms chapter 14, 1, as David was speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Over in Acts chapter 17, 28, we're told, It is in God, it is in God that we live and move and have our very being upon this earth. As certain of your poets have said, We are the offspring of God. Now think about that. It is in God that we live. It is in God that we move and have our very being upon this earth. 
No wonder God called this man a fool. He left God out of his life and plans. He failed to recognize and appreciate the fact that it's in God that we live and move and have our very being upon this earth. In James chapter 1, 17, we are told that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of light. How true that is. Think about it now. He says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights. And that's so true. Over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, my God shall supply all your needs. And so God tells us, I'll provide all your needs. Truly in him we live and move and have our being. No wonder God says you're a fool, thou fool. Left God out. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, we're told that it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes. But in Proverbs chapter 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but it leads unto what? It leads unto death, unto eternal separation from God. And so man needs God, doesn't he? He needs a leader. He needs God. And he needs God in. That means now. He needs Almighty God now. In Psalms chapter 46 and verses 1 and 2, we are told very plainly concerning this, God is our refuge and a very present help in time of need. He's our refuge and a very present help in time of need. We have needs, and God said, I'll provide those needs for you. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we are told in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need God. We need him now. And we're fools when we leave him out. And then we're going to need God in death. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 2. There's a time to be born and a time to die. In Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it's appointed and a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment, 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1, set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. You better put your house in order. And you can't put your house in order without Almighty God. Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. In Hebrews chapter 10, 31, it'll be a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. How true, how true. Without God to meet death, a fearful thing. Then we're going to need God in judgment because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Every one of us must give an account of himself to God. We need him now in death and in judgment. As David said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Are you leaving God out of your life and plans? This man did, and God called him a fool. We have many fools in the world tonight. I don't call them that, but God says they're fools when they leave me out. But notice something else. He thought with himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. 
And he says, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods, laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be ready. Now he was a fool because he left God out. Also he was a fool because he left his fellow man out. Did you notice how many times I read I and my and mine and thine? Oh, he thought a lot of himself, didn't he? He was struck on himself, and he didn't think anything about God and his fellow man. He left them out. Over in Luke chapter 18, we have another example. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican, and the Pharisee prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, I am not as other men are, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. I, 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 I. Now, when you put your emphasis on I, and you can think about only I and mine and my, you a fool, God says, this man was a fool. He left his fellow man out. But there are many people, all they can think about is satisfying every appetite and passion and desire of their flesh. That's what they live for. They're just like animals. They want to satisfy every appetite and passion and desire of their flesh. They live for it. Why, Paul talks about such in Philippians chapter 3. He says they were enemies of the cross of Christ. They were enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says their God was their belly. And he says they mind, he says they mind earthly things. All they can think about is earthly things and how they can satisfy their appetites and passions and desires in earthly things. We're filled with people like that, you know it, and they're fools in God's sight. Why the Lord tells us in Romans chapter 14, 7, No man liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Over in Romans chapter 12, we're warned not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. In Matthew chapter 18, the Lord tells who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom are those who become like little children, being humble and submissive. Over in Matthew chapter 20, the same question was raised regarding who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And the Lord said, if you want to be great, you be a servant. You be a servant. You serve others. You be concerned with others. You forget about yourself. And we're fools when we say, I and my, I and my. That's all we can think about, I, I, I. We're fools. Am I a fool tonight? Are you a fool? Just think about yourself. Well, over in John chapter 3, 16, God didn't think only of himself, did he? The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Then we are told in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 concerning Jesus Christ, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In Luke chapter 19, 10, Christ said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Then he gave the great commissions in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and Luke chapter 24. It includes every responsible soul in the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go teach all nations. 
And so the Lord Jesus Christ was concerned in everybody, and he's still concerned in everybody, as is God the Father. If you were in our Bible class Sunday morning, I called attention to the fact that the Apostle Paul was concerned in those. We turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we read in four verses where the Apostle Paul mentioned five times the word gain. Paul mentioned five times about gaining others. I want to gain others. I want to gain others. Paul was no fool. He was concerned in others. Now, we're not concerned in others. We're fools, my friends. You may think that you're going to reach that beautiful city that lies four square, whose building makers got, oh, I want to go to heaven. When I die, I plan to go to heaven. But you're not concerned about your neighbors and friends going there. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. You don't go to heaven by yourself. You've got to be concerned in others. Thus, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 16, Paul told Timothy, he said, Take heed to thyself and to thy doctrine, and you continue in them. And in so doing what? He says, You're going to save somebody. He says, You're going to save yourself, and he's going to save those that hear thee. You're going to save yourself, and you're going to save others. That's the way it ought to be, and we'll be, if we are what we ought to be as God's people. No fools in God's sight. Matthew chapter 5, the Lord describes his people, and he tells us that we are the salt of the earth. He says, we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing. In other words, if a child of God, who is the salt of the earth, if he loses his influence for good towards others, he's good for nothing. He goes on to say, God's people, he says, they are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Are you a fool tonight? Oh, I want to go to heaven when I die. That's fine. That's good. Are you concerned about others going to heaven? This man left out God. He left out his fellow man. God said he was a fool. But again, there's another reason God called this man a fool. Why he says here, this will I do, I will curl down my barns, I'll build greater barns, I will bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, I has much goods laid up for many years. But God called this man a fool because he thought his soul could be satisfied on material things, and you can't do that. Or you can't satisfy your soul on material things. When you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, where the preacher says there, he got him men singers and women singers, and everything that his heart desired, he said, I did not withhold anything that my heart desired. He had everything he wanted. And then when he got all of that, he says, all of this uh, is like the wind, vexation of spirit, and the wind, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. Then he turns to Ecclesiastes 12, and verse 13, he says, Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. Why, you can't satisfy your soul on material things. You can't do it. And this man said, Soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to satisfy my soul on material things. And you can't do it. You're a fool if you think you can. 
Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You can't live by bread alone. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now many of you have attended this meeting every service. And when you leave this building tonight, and every night that you leave this building every service, you can leave with a satisfied soul, can't you? Because we are filling your heart, we are filling your mind with the precious word of God, and that will satisfy your soul. You know that? That'll satisfy you. So, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be what? They shall be filled. That'll satisfy your soul. But not material things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 18, Paul said, We look not at the things that are seen, at the things that are not seen. For the things seen are temporal, but the things not seen are eternal. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, we are told to love not the world, no, not the things in the world, all that's in the world, the lust of flesh, and the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world, and the world with its lust is going to pass away. You can't satisfy your soul on that, that's going to pass away. But many people try to do it, and they're fools in God's sight. Am I a fool tonight? Are you a fool? Are you trying to satisfy your soul on material things? But then again, there's another reason God called this man a fool. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Many years. Take thine easy drink and be merry. Why, God said unto this man, who said, I've got many goods laid up for many years. Thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. For he thought he had a lease on life, you know that? I've got many goods laid up for many years. I've got a long time to live to enjoy my many goods. And God said, you're a fool if you think that. This very night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now, if you think you have a lease on life, you're a fool, neighbor, God says. Over in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, the wise man says this, Close not thyself of tomorrow, we know not what a day may bring forth. Over in James, listen to what James says now. He says, Go to now, even say today or tomorrow, we'll go to a certain city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it'll vanish away. Well, the Lord says, You can't make your plans as if you're going to live forever upon this earth. You're going to say, I'm going tomorrow and do this, that, and the other. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. Over in Isaiah chapter 22 and verse 13, the Bible says, tomorrow, you know what happens tomorrow? He says, tomorrow ye die. Tomorrow ye die. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. Well, somebody said, now wait a minute, don't you have some plans for tomorrow? Yes, sir. In fact, I have some plans for 1985. I have some meetings booked in 1985. Well, how do you reconcile that with this? 
Well, let me read the rest of this verse, and I'll tell you why. For this you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And I've got some plans for tomorrow. If the Lord will. I have some plans in 85. If the Lord will. This man didn't say that, did he? He left the Lord out to start with. I've got many goods laid up for many years. I didn't think about God. He left God out. It's all right to make plans, but keep God in your plans. First Chronicles chapter 22, 29 and verse 15, we are told we are strangers uh, and we are sojourners upon this earth, and there is N-O-N-E, that's zero, there is none abiding, there's none abiding. In First Samuel chapter 20 and verse 3, there is but a step between me and death. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. Well, I'll tell you right now, as much as I'm on the highway, I'm mindful of the seriousness of that. Seems like many times just a coat of paint between me and eternity. We was talking about Brother Dick Moore, a fine gospel preacher, who held a meeting up here at Pernan. On the way home, he was killed in an accident. That can happen to any of us. You're not immune to that. We can get sick and die immediately. I just held a funeral down in Texas before I came here. Fellow 58 years of age just died like that without any warning. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. And if we think we have a lease on life, my friends, we are a fool in God's sight. If we have a lease on life, we don't have a lease on life. I was in a meeting down in Bridge uh, City, Texas. Several years ago, my wife called me from Lufkin. I was living in Lufkin then, preaching at Huntington. And she said, the elders at Huntington are trying to get a hold of you. I said, I'll call them immediately. And so I called Brother George Simpson, one of the elders, said, yes, Brother Murray. I said, there's a man down in Winnie, Texas, that wants to be back there. That's about uh, 40, 50 miles from where you are. Would you go over and take care of that matter? I said, I'll be on my way as soon as I can. So I picked up Brother Lawrence Worthy from Bridge City Congregation there. And to Winnie we went. And got there and knocked at the door and the man was looking for us. He said, come right on in, Brother Murray. Glad to see you looking for you. Who's your friend here? And introduced Brother Lloyd Worthy. I said, I'm so glad you called for me. And we began to talk about salvation and about uh, his being baptized. And the more we talked, the more I began to see and began to back up and hedge on the situation. He finally said, now, Brother Murray, I'm sorry I had to call you over here because I've changed my mind. And, uh, in fact, I've got to go to the doctor this afternoon, and uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm coming to Huntington, and he set the date. I don't recall what it was in April. So I'll be there at a certain time. I want you to baptize me. And, of course, I called attention. Brother North, where they did. We talked about this. We talked about this. We talked about all the scriptures in the Word of God. This is dangerous, my friend. You ought not to do that. We don't have a promise for tomorrow. Or oh, I'll be in Huntington. Well, to make a long story short, he came to Huntington, April, we'll say, the 14th. And he was buried, not in the water, but in the grave. The very day he said he's coming to be buried, he was buried all right, but it wasn't in the water. I've heard of stories like that, but I know that's true because I was involved in that. He was a fool in God's sight. He thought he had a lease on life, even set to date. And he came and we buried him. 
in that class? That man was a fool. Are you a fool tonight? You say, I'm going to be baptized Friday night. I plan to come back to my first love Friday night. I plan when the meeting's over Sunday morning, I'm coming down the aisle, I'll obey the gospel Sunday morning. Thou fool, God would say. This night thy soul should be required of thee. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. We don't have a lease on life. And we're fools if we think we do. Better think about that, neighbor. Think about it seriously. But then again, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, those who hear his words and will not do them, is a fool. He's like a foolish man that builds his house upon the sand. Those who hear the words of Christ and will not do them are fools. And throughout this meeting, we are giving you the words of Christ. By the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone to believe it to the Jew first, also the Greek. And so we are not ashamed of the gospel in this meeting. And we are preaching the gospel of Christ in every service. Over in John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus said, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Over in Acts chapter 26, 25, Paul reasoned with Felix concerning righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come. And here's a wonderful sermon outlined right there. A wonderful sermon. Paul reasoned. We're here to reason with people. And we're here to reason concerning righteousness. In Psalms chapter 119, 172, all of God's commandments are righteousness. And Paul tells us God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel. And so here Paul preached God's righteousness, God's commandments. Then he called upon this man to maintain self-control in doing what God said. It takes self-control, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And do it because you're going to stand before God in judgment. Sometimes young preachers ask me, where do you get your sermon outlines? There's one right there. And the Bible's full of them. Just like that. There's a sermon right there. And that's what Paul preached to this man. That's what we're doing in this meeting. We're reasoning with you concerning God's commandments. You must have self-control to do it. And do it because you're going to stand before God in judgment. Over in John chapter 8, 32, Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Christ is the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say. And we have preached every service of this meeting the plan of salvation as given by the Lord and the apostles in the New Testament. It's plain and simple. Over in Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, the Lord said, You go preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized, he shall be saved. Nothing hard about that. Luke chapter 13, 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. The apostles preached the same thing. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent and be baptized for remission of sin. And the Lord said, if you don't believe, you're going to be lost. 
John chapter 8, 24, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And in verse 21, if you die in your sins, whether I go, you can't come. And then Paul tells us the Lord is coming in flaming fire and is going to take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. They're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. Now, when you hear that, and some of you have been here night after night, and we are thankful for your presence. And Brother Sam mentioned tonight there's some here who need to obey the gospel. Now, when you leave tonight, if you do, and I hope you don't, but if you leave tonight having heard this again, God says, you fool. Oh, you're like a man that builds his house on the sand. That'd be a foolish man, wouldn't you? You gonna be a fool tonight? You say, I don't know enough to be saved. You can't say that. There's been enough gospel preached here already in the 30 minutes I've been talking to save the world. If you know you are lost, that you need to believe on Christ, to repent of your sins, uh, and to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Christ is God's Son, and be baptized, that'll put you into Christ, where you can work and worship and serve God in the kingdom of God's dear Son. You know enough to be saved from your past sins. You couldn't stand before God and say, Lord, I didn't know. I heard your word, but they were so hard and difficult, I didn't understand it. It took me several weeks to understand it, and I never did get it fully. Have mercy on me, you'll not do it. It's too plain for that. When you check the cases of conversion in the New Testament, you know how many sermons they heard? One. One gospel sermon, and they obeyed the gospel. It's plain, isn't it? You're a fool when you don't do it. Are you a fool tonight? Better think about it. Then again, those whom God calls fools, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told these Galatian saints over here, he said, all foolish Galatians who had bewitched you, they were fools because they were seeking salvation and justification in the law of Moses. Thus, there are many fools tonight, they're trying to justify what they do by the law of Moses. And you can't do that. God said, you're a fool if you do that. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul says this. He says, by the words of the law, talking about the law of Moses, the Old Testament scripture, he says, by the works of the law shall no flesh, shall no flesh be justified. The Jews couldn't be justified by it. In verse 21, he says, if righteousness came by the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. No need for Jesus to die if the Jews could be justified by the law. You turn to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, and Paul says, You are severed from Christ. If you seek to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. In Galatians chapter 3, 19 through 29, what serveth the law? Why was the law given? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. He goes on to say the law was a tutor or a schoolmaster to bring the Jews to Christ. And after that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor or a schoolmaster, but we're all God's children by the gospel system, by the faith of Christ. So you can't be justified by the law. You have somebody... So why do you use mechanical music in your worship? Well, David said to use it in Psalm 150. 
Why do you keep the Sabbath day or try to keep the Sabbath day? Well, Moses taught it in the Old Testament. My friends, you're a fool if you're trying to reason like that. God says you can't justify what you do by the law. Why, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 21, Paul said, We are on the law. I believe we're on the law. But we're on the law to whom? We're on the law to Christ. We're on the law to Christ. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul said, Whatever you do in word or in deed, you do it all, not part of it, but you do it all in the name of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, Neither is there salvation in any other. Christ has all authority. Even Moses recognized this. Moses said, as Luke records in Acts chapter 3, that God's going to raise up a prophet and you must hear him in everything he says. Well, you can't go back to the law of Moses and try to be justified. You brethren have seen this. Those who've heard me before, I'll put a line on the board. I'll call for the book and the chapter and the verse in the New Testament where the Lord has authorized the use of mechanical instruments of music and worship. I've been doing that for 41 years. Haven't had a taker yet. Look like somebody in the United States or somewhere would tell me the scripture. And the closest I came to it was in Apple Springs, Texas, when a fellow stood up who was having an open-air meeting. Fine crowd there, and he wasn't a member of the church. And he stood up and said, Preacher, I've got it, Psalms 150. I said, Neighbor, you misunderstood me, didn't you? I said, I want book, chapter, and verse in the New Testament. And I called attention that you can't go back here. The Jews became dead in the law about the body of Christ, and the Gentiles never wanted it. We're under the law of Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. Where's the New Testament authority? He said, I'll find it. He came back night after night, and every night I'd ask him, he said, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Every time he'd come, I'm looking, I'm looking. That's 27 or 30 years ago, and if he's still living, he's still looking. And I say that with kindness. It's not there, neighbor. It's not there. You know where it is? You tell me tonight. And I mean it sincerely. And if you say, well, I'm going to do it because Moses taught it, or because David taught it, God says you're a fool. I'm not going to call you that, but God says you're a fool. You don't have the justification for that. You're trying to be justified by the law. Oh, foolish Galatians. Can't do it. Well, last of all, but not least, the Lord tells us those who are unprepared in the kingdom, they are fools. He says the five wise and the five foolish virgins. And these five foolish virgins represent those in the church who aren't prepared to meet God. You know, we're told over in Matthew chapter 20, the Lord says this. He says, enter into my vineyard. I want you to work in my vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I'll pay you. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. First Corinthians 15, 58, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Over in uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 9, there remaineth a rest for the people of God. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now, if we're not working in the kingdom, we're not prepared. 
Now, suppose tonight, I'll not do this, but suppose I were to call upon you to come here to the board, I want you to put down for me what you do for the Lord every week. You remember the church now? Yep. I want you to make a list of what you do. Well, you say, one, two, three, I'll just do it. I'll make a list. All right, what do you do? Well, I attend the services faithfully. That's good, that's fine, that's very essential. Hebrews 10, 25, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and other passages of like import. That's fine. And number two, uh, well, I attend the services. And uh, number three, well, I attend the services, and that's all you can put down. That's not enough. You're going to go to judgment with that? If you do, you're going to be found to be a fool in God's sight. It takes more than that just to attend the service. You ought to put in, I pray without ceasing. I study and I meditate upon the Word of God daily. I visit James 1.27. I try to win souls for Christ. Other things that the Lord said, there are 22 books in the New Testament telling us what to do as God's people. And if we're not working, we're not prepared. And we're fools in God's sight. We've got to be prepared. John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day, the night cometh when no man can work. Revelation chapter 14, 13, Blessed are the dead, the time of the Lord, Jesus the Spirit, they can rest from their labors and their works do follow them. We're going to rest from our works or our labors. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, O prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet thy God. Hebrews chapter 10, we are told those who despise Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment those who trod underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant wherewith they were sanctified an unholy thing and have done despite the Spirit of grace. Then he said it's going to be a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So if you're not prepared, well, Peter said it'd be better not to have known the way of righteousness, having known it to turn from it. They're fools in God's sight. Now let's see what we've learned tonight. Those whom God calls fools, God out of their life, fell a man out of their plans, think their souls can be satisfied, or material things, think they have a lease on life, hear the words of Christ, obey them not, seek salvation, in the law of Moses, unprepared in the kingdom. That's whom God says are fools. I'm not going to call you one, but you know and God knows if you are. There's the evidence. What about it tonight? Now then, before we close, here are the wise over here. Who are the wise? You're either a wise man or a fool. You can't be both. Every responsible soul here tonight, in the eyes of Almighty God, you're either wise or you're a fool. You can't be both. Now the wise are those who trust in the Lord with all their hearts and lean not upon their own understanding. In all their ways they acknowledge God and He directs their paths. There's the wise. The wise of all that think about their fellow man, Proverbs 11:30. He that win his souls is wise. There's the wise. Soul winners are wise. We sang the song, "I want to be a soul winner." The wise are those after they have been buried with their Lord in baptism, 
and they're raised to walk in these life. They seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. They set their affection on things above and not on things on the earth, for they recognize their dead and their life is hid with Christ in God. There's the wise. Who are the wise? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now is the accepted time. There's the wise. Now and today, you do God's will. Who are the wise? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 19, 5. Acts chapter 18, 8. Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and they were baptized. There's the wise. Now, if you hear the mind, you never have obeyed the gospel. If you want to be wise, when you hear this, you'll be baptized by the authority of the Lord Jesus. You'll be wise. Who are the wise? They bring in the captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Who are the wise? They're faithful even to death. Fools and wise can't be both. What about your soul tonight? Won't you come and obey the gospel if you haven't? If you're a child of God, indifferent, unconcerned, won't you come back to your first love as we sing the song that has been announced? Let us be standing. Let us be singing. Would you live for Jesus and be always your and Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. Thank you are.